Buongiorno tutti. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy, a podcast about our love of all things Italian. My name's Kimberly Holcomb and I'm here with Tommaso. Buongiorno tutti. Oh, bravo. <laughs> Next week, he's going to be saying full on paragraphs in Italian. <laughs> Fantastico. Welcome to episode 50. Cinquanta. Jesus, Tom, you are <laughs> practicing behind my back. That's amazing. Cinquanta, bravo. Si. Numero cinquanta. And speaking of 50 episodes, I want to thank every single person that has gotten in touch in the last few weeks, especially this week, because the Amalfi Coast episodes have really hit home, I guess. It is one of the most popular places in all of Italy and beloved by many. So I've received two or three emails in the last few days saying, thank you so much for your Amalfi Coast episodes. I'm going on a honeymoon. I've been using your episodes to plan everything. And it's such a huge help. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're grateful because it really does take a lot of time. And I don't know what I would do without Tommaso and his editing equipment, our studio here. Everything that you know how to make this happen. Well, a technician is nothing without talent, my dear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Uh, Thank you very much. mm -hmm. That's a perfect place to start this episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is part five of our Amalfi Coast series, and we're going to describe the last three villages, technically, of the Amalfi Coast. Are you ready? Certo. See, Ravello, this little dreamlike village is perched up on the cliff at about 1,200 feet above the Tyranian Sea. And it's always referred to as like, oh, so romantic. It sounds romantic. It does, doesn't it? Yes. It's the dreamy, dreamiest place to get married, which I have an Italian model friend that I know from New York. She is Italian by birth and she got married in Ravello. And oh, I saw the pictures. It was dreamlike. It's magically beautiful. So the descriptions about this village of Ravello are true. It is literally picture perfect. And I'm not sure it was picture perfect its entire you know, history because naturally it had the same stories of invasion, war, the plague wiped out Ravello as well. But for the last... 100 years, it's been one of the gems of the Amalfi Coast, if not one of the gems of all of Italy. And it's been around since the sixth century, so it's had some practice. (laughs) And imagine being there on top of the Amalfi Coast, 1,200 feet above sea level in a village in the sixth century. That was not an easy life, getting up and down to go fishing. No. So pretty incredible. It's a very good place to stay, in my opinion, to stay in Ravello. If you want a little bit of a more quiet type of, you know, vibe, because there's a lot of day trippers that go to Ravello and then at night it's, you have it to yourself. So it's really a perfect place to stay on the Amalfi Coast to get away from the craziness of the Amalfi Coast Drive and all the people. Why is that? 
because there's it's small. Right. There's less hotels to choose from. There's some rental villas, but it's a teenier village. Your your choices are fewer, so maybe more people want to have 20 or 30 different restaurant choices, something right, like right, that. Right, right, right. So I think it's a gem of a place to stay. And the day trippers that do go, you have to get up there. So you either take a bus, most people don't drive in Amalfi. So you have to take a bus, which are jam-packed, try to find a taxi, which is not easy, and or hire a private car. And that's pricey because they know you want to get up there, not on the bus. <laughs> Right. So it's my it might be a hundred euro for a car to drive you up there, and it's you know a ten minute ride, and it's you know death defying, great curves and all that. So anyway, during the day it's crowded normally, but I was there last in 2019, and it was May, mid May, end of May, and it wasn't bad. It was stunning and it's beautiful, and I'm so happy we went twice while we stayed in the village of Amalfi. So once you get dropped off by car, bus, private driver, however, you walk through this little tunnel that goes, you know, cut through, through one of the little mountains and it's painted white. And all of a sudden you walk out because there's no cars except for a few locals. You walk out and there's this little village and right to your right is Villa Ruffalo. So everyone has heard of Villa Ruffalo, or if you don't know the name, you know the photo, the famous umbrella tree they're called with that canopy ah yeah that's perched high 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 on the cliff two little bell tower domes of a church below some flowers and the sea and the amalfi coastline behind it it is the most photographed tree in all of italy they say but for good reason i have a million photos of it <laughs> each time i show tomaso some options he goes i've seen that i've seen that <laughs> And you've seen it not just from me, from everywhere all yeah, over the web. Yeah, it's it, one of those. It's the quintessential view of the Amalfi Coast. Right. Because it com it comprises everything. Right. So anyway, this is Villa Ruffalo. And it is so worth a visit and give yourself two to three hours minimum, I think, in this villa. So if you're hungry or want lunch, don't go into the villa yet. Dedicate several hours to this place because it. It needs it. Okay, we'll put everything. that on a note for me the next time. <laughs> Have lunch my, first. My tour planner. <laughs> anyway, so the gardens of this villa are called the Garden of the Soul. And you're led to this garden. Like you get to walk into Villa Ruflo, you pay to enter. And you're, you walk down this path little stone path that's lined with cypress trees and lime trees. And then you get to the entrance of something and you're not prepared for it. You don't know what it is. And you walk into a Moorish cloister and you feel like you're in a completely different country. Huh. Like how come, why is it there? It was just part of the history of who built it, the influence right. from right. Northern Africa. And they wanted a cloister to make them feel like they're from in somewhere else. And it was, it is stunning. I couldn't even get myself out of it, but they kind of just have you walk through it to admire the architecture and the beauty and the history of it. And then most people carry on and go into the garden. But I just was in awe with this place. So I waited for absolutely no one in the photo because 
you're in a cloister with all these arches around a central um, kind of well below you. And so I have amazing pictures of that place too, but everything in Villa Ruffalo, the gardens, the cloisters, all these other towers is just a photographer's dream. I will say that speaking of Travel tip for photography fans, <laughs> when you want to take the picture of the famous umbrella tree, mid to late afternoon, it's not as good in the, in the morning light. There you go. Travel uh, tip. Okay. Right? Photography tip. Yes. Photography travel tip. So you go through the Moorish cloister and then you walk out into the gardens and they are mind-blowing, just unlike anything you've ever seen. And the villa and the buildings itself, the cloister, all of these buildings are from the 13th century, but they've been renovated, improved upon many times. And it is one of the biggest draws of the Amalfi Coast, Villa Ruffalo. Okay. But the interior of the villa itself, oh, Dio mio, it is like a designer's dream, an interior designer's dream. And they show it totally different than anywhere I've ever seen. It's empty. No furniture. Every room is totally empty so that you can see the craftsmanship of every single thing incorporated into it. So every room is a different mosaic tile pattern. Every doorway has this elaborate door frame around it and they are all the same. So Imagine this, you walk into the second floor of this villa, the sea's at your back and the window's open and you look down and there's one doorway with a room with different tile floor. And then in the exact same place of the far side of that room is another doorway. That's exactly the same. Then another room, different tile floor, the same doorway, another room. So this goes on for like 12 rooms and you stand there and it's like an optical illusion. The doors are the same, these elaborate door frames painted in white with a blue trim. And then the walls are this peachy pinky color and it just narrows like a railroad track. And you stand there and it's empty, no furniture. And so you just have this visual experience in an empty villa from the 13th century. Imagine that. Even without a laser sight, they laid it out like that. <laughs> I know. I know. It is just amazing. And I just was in awe that I had never seen anything shown like that. Void of any furniture that distracted you from it. So that's another travel tip. I say when you go to Villa Ruffalo, go to the second floor of the villa and get, get your photo in that hallway. Okay. And the gardens themselves of Villa Ruffalo, they're on like two tiers and they're very elegant, formal gardens, but geometric. So all the same kind of flowers are planted in one kind of diamond shape within a geometric planter area. And then they'll have specific trees all in a row and then something else on the other side. So as you go up to the second tier and look down at the tier you were just in, you you are blown away because you didn't really notice it visually until you look from above down it, at it. It sounds like it looks more formal than other places in Amalfi. 
Yes. The way and, it's laid out. You know, I think it's, it's in- almost Parisian. English, English, in- English influence. English. The other villa I'm going to describe in a minute totally has English influence there as well. But it is colorful, geometric, and graphic. And the setting, though, is on the edge of a cliff. And then there's the sea, and you look down at the coastline. The whole thing is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. It truly is. And its competitor <laughs> on the other side of the village of Ravello is the, called... The more beauteous. <laughs> I wouldn't say more beauteous, different. And, okay. well, first of all, let me give its name, Villa Cimbrone. And it is on the other side of Ravello. And it's more of like a 10, 15, seemed to me like it was 20 minute walk. It seemed a long way, but they had little signs that would just little wooden painted signs, village in Barone with an arrow. But it seemed like we walked a long way down little teeny stone steps and pathways. So I think it's a little less crowded, which is a good thing. Okay. Because normally in high season, both villas are jam packed for good reason, because it's, they're so stunning. But anyway, so village in Barone most likely is a little less crowded because of the walk to get to it. It's originally from the 11th century, but the gardens and the villa itself were completely renovated by an English nobleman named, check out this name, Lord Grimthorpe. Grimthorpe. Isn't that lovely? Lord Grimthorpe. He sounds... (laughs) He renovated... Cousin of the Grim Reaper? (laughs) No, because (laughs) this was a good man. He renovated... All these gardens, and they have that English influence, which are more wild and free-flowing. And everything is in this garden, and it's very, very long. And the main walkway is called Viale del Immenso, the Valley of Immensity. And it's unlike any other walkway. It's very wide with these small little teeny pebbles and A lot of local Italian couples, when I was last there in 2019, were taking their stroll, like older couples just strolling. So I was with the group. Most of us went. I think we all did, actually. And we just followed suit, fell right behind them, just walked slowly, didn't want to pass and be like, you know, got to see this whole place quickly. Got to check the box. Right. So we just slowed down because of their slow pace. And that's when you saw everything all kinds of trees, immense trees, hence the, hence the name Viale di Immenso, and statues, marble statues everywhere, grottos, a temple to Bacchus, the crest of Mercury, the grotto di Eva, like Adam and Eve, even a copy of Donatello's famous sculpture of David with Goliath's head at his feet <laughs> is mixed in with all this lush greenery and flora like we don't have here. We're not accustomed to it. And there's something about the, I don't know, the salt sea breeze and the elevation that allows more tropical type of flowers to grow. It was, it is absolutely stunning. Unlike anything I've ever seen. And you just keep going and there's all these little paths that you can take through the garden. So it's not as, Formal, like like Villa Ruffalo, where you have to stay in your path. You can actually walk off the main viale to a little dirt path, go down several kind of flights 
to another lower walkway that eventually leads you back around. You see so much and take it all in and just think you've seen everything. And then you turn a corner and there's something else. And it has the Stanza di Te, just this little terrace for tea. That means Stanza di Te means a tea room. Really? Because of Lord Grimthorpe. Because of Grimthorpe. Grimthorpe. I'm sorry. And then after the Stanza di Te, which of course we had one because you just sit there and think about, I'm having, I don't even really care for tea, but I had one because... You have to. Well, I don't care for tea either, but I'd probably order a gin and tonic. That's very English also. Oh, no, you couldn't. Why? It's a tea room. Oh. That's it, my friend. Oh. Mm-hmm. Little mm. pastries and stuff like that. But Tw- Twinnings? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Lipton? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, so the best part, in my opinion, as if all that isn't beautiful enough, but there is a path that leads you to... They call it the Belvedere, another British saying, but it's the Terrazza del Infinito, the Terrace of Infinity. And this terrace is right on the cliff's edge and it is lined with about eight or 10 marble busts of both men and women, whom they are, I don't know, but it wasn't like, you know, a bust of Caesar's head or anything. It was just people from the day that some sculptor made and they're placed on these stone pedestals on the edge of this terrace sheer drop down the cliffs to the mountains and the sea below but there's a railing in between each bust and there may be i don't know 15 feet apart 10 feet apart each one and their backs the back of their head is to the sea and they're facing the visitor on the terrace. And you just stare at them and think, well, not what I would expect on this terrace <laughs> on the edge of a cliff. But I had also seen photos of that right. forever. So I knew they were there. And I did go on my first trip, you know, in the 90s, years ago. But when you, if you don't know of, about this terrace and don't know that there's these marble busts way up high, just being driven with, sea, salt, air, and wind, and temperature, and weather, and they just are standing there perched on this stone pedestal on the edge of a cliff with the sea and the coastline behind it. It's magnificent. Do you know what year they were put there? I do not. I'm assuming it was during one of the renovations, so... Well, it's... Well, that's true. It's <laughs> quite it started quite a, in the a 11th line. century, so they're kind of old, right? <laughs> They're definitely not from okay. 21st century. All right. <laughs> anyway, so the villa itself in Villa Cimbrone, like these gardens are open to the public, but the villa itself has been turned into a very elegant hotel. And it's kind of a mismatch of architectural styles because it also has been renovated several times with salvaged architectural details from other parts of Italy. So it's to me, it looks a little like a fortress, but then you go inside and it's so elegant and it's stunning. And I have to say, I've never slept there, but it is on my ever-growing, very long list of <laughs> hotels that I want to wake up in. Well, if it's on your list, it's on my That's list. That's right. <laughs> Next time we go. All right. So 
the rest of the village of Rovello itself is teeny and easy, easily walkable. Plenty of choices for lunch and dinner and a lot of shops for the ceramics that the Amalfi Coast is famous for. All kinds of things you can buy made by craftsmen in the region. And then I will just throw this in. I think the best gelato I have ever had in my life was in Ravello. I was by myself. People were, the group I was with was, you know, shopping or doing whatever. And I just kept going on my hunt for small churches. And I found this gelateria right across from this super simple, teeny little chiesa. And I thought, hmm, that's a sign. I'm going to go into this little gelateria. And I had frutti di bosco. The fruits of the your forest is my favorite. And it was the best I've ever had. They make a flat little round wafer out of the same um, ingredients that they make a cone. So I always order the cup. I don't really like ice cream cone. So I get it in the cup and then they have a little wafer made from the cone with the name of the gelateria imprinted in it with like cacao. Like I was like, oh, I took a million pictures of that and then ate it. So anyway, finally, the other very important aspect of Ravello are the music festivals. They have all kinds of concerts throughout the season, but the most well-known venue is by Oscar Niemeyer, the famous Brazilian architect. And it was finished in 2011 and he died the next year, I think. So I do think he got to see it. And it's funny enough, very, very contemporary. It's like this white, maybe like oval egg shape, more orb shape built into the side of the land. Is that where you went with Stefano? Oh, I did take him there as well. One of the men on our trip is an architect and I took him to Salerno for another Zaha Hadid. He loves everything modern and nothing old. So that was funny (laughs) that he was in Italy with me. But anyway, so yes, it's very contemporary and beautiful. And the thing is, they have an indoor stage, obviously, but they also put up an outdoor semicircular stage on this large, large terrace. And the musicians are seated facing the audience. So their back is to the sea. And this this stage drops straight down. They're at the edge. So you're sitting there watching a concert with the musicians with that backdrop of the Amalfi Coast on either side and the sea. Well, the guy who's playing the big kettle drum in the back better not bang it too hard. Right. <laughs> it is. I have not seen a concert there, but everyone stops and stands right, where right. you would see the concert. It is absolutely unlike any other venue I've ever seen. And imagine the musicians. What an honor to sit sure, there and yeah, play, yeah, right? Yeah. Hard, to, hard to concentrate. Right. That's why they have their back to the sea, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, the most legendary, I want to finish up Ravello with the most legendary quote about it. Quote, when the devil wanted to tempt Christ with the wonders of the world, he took him to Ravello. So you can, I can, I can call you devil now and you'll take me to Ravello. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, it's very, very much worth a visit. Highly suggest it. Don't miss it. And if you feel like stay there instead of another village.
for the more quiet types. All right, so the next little village down the coast is called Chetara, C-E-T-A-R-A. And it's less visited because there's not much going on. And you get the feel of a real, true Amalfi Coast fishing village. And it's very famous for the tuna. They say they catch the best tuna anywhere in, they claim, the world. But, you know, at least in Italy. So they're famous for their tuna. And one other thing that I'll describe, but I just want to give you the description of when we arrived by boat, which is important that they have a dock. So you can go visit this little village very easily. So we get off the boat at about noon, almost noon, for the goal of going to this little restaurant for their famous dish in Chetara. So we get off the boat, there's eight of us, and first thing we see are like, I have a photo of it that you know well, eight or 10 older gentlemen sitting under the shade of one of those umbrella trees, right as you got off the dock, entering the little teeny village. They're sitting in the shade on a bench covered in the bright colored mosaic tiles. So they're all in dark clothes. They're they're sitting on this super colorful bench in the shade and they're gesturing with their arms and they're speaking really loudly and they're who knows? It looked like they were arguing about politics or maybe, you know, one of their wife's bad pasta from the night before oh, 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 oh. <laughs> or good pasta. Let's say good <laughs> pasta. Who knows? Anyway, we walked by and I just was looking at them. So I said, buongiorno, signori. Che bel giornata. See, hello, gentlemen. What a lovely day. Right. And they're like, what? <laughs> And they're like, see, sí, see. Sí. So we kept walking. And then one person in the group said, they all could be in a Francis Ford Coppola movie in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so then we passed them and there's like little kids, five, four or five years old, playing with a soccer ball on the beach. And then they kicked it up onto the main walkway. So you just felt like you were in a non-touristy place. So there we were. We went to the restaurant for their famous dish. Only made in Chitara. Other villages make it, but it's not legit. Okay. Unless you go to Chitara. And it's called Colatura di Alici. Alici is anchovies. I'm not a fan of anchovies. Mm -hmm. But I knew that it was famous and we had to try it and everyone wanted to go. So I'm like, I'll do it. So we went to this awesome little restaurant. Had a big table outside. The white wine comes out. The... Italian rosé, which is very good, I'll say. And it was warm. We're out in a whitewashed, like, outdoor area. A few little umbrellas. And then the food starts coming. And they had the same um, primi, that cuopo di frito that I described in the last episode. All the fried seafood, tentacles, heads, everything is in that paper cone shape. Right, right. Everyone plowed through that. Except for me. <laughs> and then the colatura di Alici came out, was served. It can only be served this way. With normal spaghetti, a teeny bit of garlic, touch of olive oil, and this liquid, this sauce, colatura di Alici, from the drippings of the anchovies. That's it. No parmigiano, nothing. You eat it, you taste it, and you're like, delicious. Delicious. Like it was unlike any 
thing I've had. Well, that says something because you're not an anchovy person no, at all. No, are you? And and well, I brought some back and we had it and it was delicioso, oh, wasn't it? I remember it? that. Now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That but here's the thing. Ago. Let me just say how, how they make it. I'll explain it quickly. Similar to the olive press that we saw in Puglia, but they have these, um, I guess I should call it a barrel, but a round circular, let's say barrel shape thing that's maybe three feet tall. And they start at the bottom and they line the anchovies head in on their side, one next to each other, and they make them go uh, around the circle. I've seen that. Picture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's the exterior circle, then an interior one. You keep going, going. And in the middle is like the corkscrew thing that will slowly press them. Then in this case, at the restaurant we were at, they use like a thin wool sheet that they put in between that, you know, lets the drippings drip through, but then the anchovy is still there. So layer after layer after layer, three feet of these, it must take, I don't know, five, eight hours to line them up. Then they put the wood top back on. And they turn the screw three times. Then they turn the screw three times each week for three years. Three years it takes. What? Yes. They won't open it up until it's three years old. And at that point, those little anchovies are flat, smashed, gone. And all that's left is is this amber-colored colatura di alici. Now, that is the real deal recipe do they all do that for three years i don't know but this restaurant we did says they did and they showed us their back room and there must have been i don't know 30 or 40 of these barrels that just line the room and they have them in order of date so wow cool? so visit cetara for the colatori di alici and the the dudes from the and old anchovies <laughs> And the dudes from the Francis Ford Coppola's next movie. Anyway, so finally, the last village on the Amalfi Coast is called Vietri Sul Mare. And it is separated from the the other larger town slash small city of Salerno right next to it. It's literally touching with a long port wall. But yet Salerno technically is not part of the Amalfi Coast. Don't know why, but... I love Salerno also. So anyway, the last real village, Vietri Sul Mare, and they're known specifically for the traditional ceramics that have been around since the Middle Ages. And once the locals from this village started exporting these ceramics, that was it. This little unassuming village was on the map. Like all of the ceramics we have in the house. Uh, no. no. Some of ours are from... Lake Como area. Oh, right, right. Only, right. only that um, big platter we have in the middle of our screen and porch, that's from Vetri Sulmare. Okay. Okay. So it's a different process, all handmade. Their technique remains unchanged for centuries. They just have their own thing, their own way, and people flock to it. So it, once it was on the map, interior designers, you know, artisans, everyone went there. And the best part is, I mean, you may not care for the tile, but the best part is the whole village is like, it's, it's advertisement. It is everywhere. These tiles are everywhere. You stand in the piazza, the tile on your feet are their handmade tiles. Every, like the church cupola is made of their tiles, their mosaics. 
they have the same kind of little tunnel walls where you walk through buildings and they line the walls of the tunnels halfway up, like waist high with the same colored tile, but all hand painted, all handmade. And then someone decides maybe later to make a mural with individual tiles and put it on the top half the wall. And it's painted to depict, you know, life in Amalfi or history or whatever, but tile, colored tiles everywhere. The benches, like the gentlemen were sitting on in Chaitara, everything is color, tiled, handmade, the whole village. And it just fits into that concept of the happy factor, right? <laughs> Amalfi just is a makes you happy. Okay. I mean, like Lake Como's beautiful, Tuscany's beautiful, and you're in awe of the beauty. But something about Amalfi Coast makes you smile more. Like it's the colors and the sunshine and the perfect weather. Fair enough. So there you have it. But there's museums for the tile, everything, you name it. It is awesome. And it's a great place to stay also because it's a little less visited. So I think it's definitely, if you want to get away from the crowds, try a village like Ravello to stay overnight. Go to Vietari Sul Mare. And Chitara. Chaitara is maybe they have a couple Airbnbs, but there's not a hotel. Well, you won't get I a don't think. You won't get a chance to meet those five dudes from the... <laughs> no, you won't, but you can visit. They're probably still there. Their grandchildren will be picking up where they left off. Sitting there arguing. So anyway, that's the last village of the Amalfi Coast. But since we're there, like virtually on this podcast, I want to do next week's episode on the village of Salerno because I took Stefano there when everyone else went to Pompeii because, again, he doesn't like old stuff. So I took him to Salerno to see Zaha Hadid's, one of her last builds, which is the ferry terminal. Very, very contemporary and super cool. But also it's got this historic old section. The whole place, the whole village of Salerno, I think is fantastic and worth a visit. And it played a very important but, part in history, didn't it? A very big role in World War II. The landing at Salerno was just epic. Really? When, when the Allies landed on the Italian coast and they had to march up the whole boot of Italy. But that's one of the places. From there, they landed in Salerno that's, and went up the boot? That's one Ooh. of the places they landed. Oh. All right. So that's our next episode, I believe. Okay. All right. And I guess I've been given a task. Yes. Do some <laughs> homework. You don't even need to. He's got the entire World War II memorized in his noggin. So once again, if you enjoy this podcast, I love the emails, but we also would love reviews. They're right. fun to read. They make us happy, but they help grow our audience. And the other thing is, if you're listening and you're not subscribed, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple or Overcast or one of the other great platforms that we're distributed through, please subscribe. It helps just to know how many people are out there listening and subscribers. It's a big help. <laughs> Something just fell. A sound muffle thing just fell an off the wall. An acoustical in the foam just fell off. While we're recording this. That must mean something. Not, was, I'm not sure what, but. It was soft, a soft landing though. So <laughs> it was a soft landing. In my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. That's it for this episode. Grazie mille tutti. E ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.